The Courage to Lead, Episode 106. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a great week. Um, I'm having a great week, and I'm really excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Laban Ditchburn. Laban Ditchburn is a motivational speaker, author, coach, and a proud carnivore, and an avid cricket fan. He's passionate about health, well-being, and personal growth. He uses his own experiences as fuel, and his stories will empower you through unashamed vulnerability. They will force you to rethink what you thought was possible and how you can now head towards a life you only ever read about. After conquering a full gamut of addictions from food, booze, sex, gambling, and drugs, Laban now defines the word transformation. He cured his own incurable disease and soon realized that taking everything at face value wasn't always the best way forward. And when he repaired his body, he also healed his mind and spirit. Laban is a featured keynote speaker, accountability coach, and host of the Become Your Own Superhero podcast. Laban's burning passion is to inspire change in those that want it and are ready to take the first steps. Laban, welcome to the show. Alan Hammock, it's my pleasure to be here. And I think I need to add some humility after hearing <laughs> that wonderful introduction. Thank you very yeah. much. It means a lot. No, I, you've got an amazing story. I definitely want to get into the story and stuff. So you're, uh, you're from Australia, correct? Born in New Zealand, but I've Born spent Zealand. about okay. an equal part of my life in both countries. So my father's from Australia, so I'm technically half and half. Okay. And then last time we talked, you were in Germany, and now you're coming to us from Mexico. Yes, yes. There's a number of reasons why that's taken place. <laughs> uh, we can talk about that if you like, but uh, uh, I'm in Playa de Carmen in the Caribbean part of uh, Mexico, and it's a beautiful part of the world. And it's currently thunderstorming outside, so mm. if you hear any cracks of thunder or a flash and I disappear into a puff of smoke. You know okay. what happened. <laughs> we know exactly what it is. Yeah. All right. No worries. We'll keep an eye on that. All right. Before we get started, um, uh, like I said, I want to talk about your background, how you got started in all this uh, current projects, things you're working on, how you help people. Um, but before we get started, I've got some questions that I ask every one of my guests, all right? These are Look questions uh, made famous on the TV show inside the actor's studio where the host James Lipton asks these questions of his uh, television and, and movie and film stage stars. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So Laban, <laughs> if you're ready, I've got 10 questions for you. Question Amen. number one, what is your favorite word? Yes. What is your least favorite word? No. <laughs> <laughs> what turns you on? Putting myself out of my comfort zone. Mm. Okay. What turns you off? Playing within the, the parameters of safety. Good job. What sound or noise do you love? Laughter. Excellent. What sound or noise do you hate? That kind of crying that you hear that might be the crying of a mother who's just found out that her child's been found dead very gruesome description, I realize, but yeah, yeah. no, no wow. bueno. Yeah. Um, what is, uh, what, yeah. What is your favorite curse word? 
There's a few words that I use day to day. I like to use that kind of language for a particular purpose, but this particular word would have to rhyme, rhyme with duck. Okay. Perfect. All right. Uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, I'd love to be a fighter pilot. Absolutely nice. love to be a fighter pilot. Do you fly now? Uh, no, I don't. I mean, I, apart from commercial aircraft. And <laughs> I, even though you're a pilot, Harlan, that was not a pre-planned question. I, I promise you that. Um, I've interviewed a number of uh, fighter pilots on the podcast and just adore what they, they all stand for. So. It's a thrill. Absolutely. All right. Uh, question nine. What profession would you not like to do? What I used to do, and that was recruitment. <laughs> oh. I'm with you on that one. All right. The final question, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You did good, kid. You did good. You did good. Absolutely. You did good. And you have done good. You've done a lot of good work and uh, definitely want to get into that. All right. We're going to come back in just a minute. We're going to talk about cricket. You like cricket. I don't understand cricket. Cricket goes on for days and days and days. And I have no <laughs> idea what's happening. We're going to talk about how you got your start, uh, the people you're helping right now, some of the projects you have going on. And at some point, we'll transition into courage and leadership. All right. Fantastic. Perfect. All right. And then we will be back uh, right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Levin Disprin. Thank you again so much for uh, agreeing to be on the show. It's good to, good to talk to you again. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Helen. I really appreciate this a lot. Yeah, no, this is awesome. So you are traveling all over right now on what, a book tour or um, what exactly is the touring? You could call it that. I mm-hmm. mean, the, this is this is part of, part of promoting the book. There's a number of reasons why I'm here. And one of them had to do with my darling fiance had to make an emergency trip back to Russia. She's a Russian mm-hmm. citizen as well as an Australian citizen. And because of the current lockdown rules in Australia, we had to get special exemptions to actually leave the country. In order to be able to leave the country, we had to sign a waiver saying that we would be away for a minimum of three months wow. as citizens. So because Anna was going to be away for such a long time, I was, I was like, I'm going to go to the Frankfurt International Book Fair to learn all about translating my book into other languages and creating impact all around the world. And the Frankfurt International Book Fair, for all you authors out there, you included, Harlan, is the place to go. It's the biggest book fair in the world last uh, I checked. And uh, if you haven't been to Germany, I highly recommend it. And it just so happened that I was able to find one of Europe's top uh, sound engineers where I was able to record the audio book. Nice. So, and then the only way that Anna and I could reconnect was to meet in Mexico. Wow. <laughs> so that's why we're here. Wow. And then how long do you have to stay before you can go back home? Well, the honest answer is uh, we are not planning on heading back to Australia anytime soon. I'd like to be on the road for six or 12 months at least. And we've even investigated renting something longer term in Mexico and using it as a base. 
heading back and forth over the US. We've got a six-month visa in Mexico. It's only 90 days in the US. So there's a few other challenges, plus countries go in and out of lockdown and the borders shut and that kind of thing. So you've got to be constantly on your toes. Wow. It's good fun. Yeah. Yeah. And keep up on everything because it does change. It seems almost daily, right? Yeah. Wow. So tell me, tell me about your background. I know you had kind of a, a rough start, but that led to where you are now. Can you talk about that? What, what happened? Where, where were you? Look, it's, it's really quite simple. I'm a child of divorce and nothing more innocuous than that. And I grew up with parents whom I love dearly and have forgiven unconditionally, but they were ill-equipped to esteem themselves fully, let alone their kids. And I took a lot of the dysfunction from my youth into my adulthood and that blossomed into a career of drinking and philandering and drug use and gambling and negative self-talk and scarcity mindset, ill health. And six years ago at a point of rock bottom, I was gambling on a horse race in a country I wasn't in using money that wasn't mine at 35 years of age. And I realized that that was not the direction that my life was supposed to be heading. And in the bottom left-hand corner of the laptop that I was using to gamble on, I wasn't even looking at the race. I was just using the laptop. There was a phone number for the gambler's helpline, Mm. which is paid for by the taxes of gambling losses. So for the first time in my life, I got access to something and I was actually up. And I spoke to this wondrous woman, Mary, whose last real name I'll never know, but her adopted name is Mary Magdalene because she was my guardian angel, whether she knew it or not. And she spoke to me about the incredibly high rates of suicide that, that gamblers experience versus all the other addictive behaviors. And that scared the pants off me, Harlan. And off the back of that conversation, she was able to put me in touch with a gambling psychologist, which I got access to for a year and a half for free. And the very first session, she asked me a question about my mum, and I just broke down and came to learn about the reason that children develop these coping mechanisms as a result of dealing with the trauma. And the thing about trauma is that it's a very individualistic item. And so I can't diminish my own experience because what I went through versus someone who was horribly disfigured in a house fire could be completely different or it might be almost the same. And I think that's a really important distinction for people. And so many people do this. They play down, you know, that their childhood wasn't that bad. Right. And in reality, it's bad enough to do the damage that it did. And so I'm very proud to stand here before you today and, and uh, celebrated uh, in August of 2021, five years of sobriety, not a single drop, six years for gambling in December. Nice. Uh, I've removed all negative self-talk, lost a whole ship, ship a ton of weight yeah. and uh, nice. put an autoimmune disease into full remission and, and met the woman of my dreams and found my purpose. So for that, I'm very, very blessed and very grateful. And as they say in Spanish, bendito, which means blessed. Yes. Very cool. Congratulations on that five years. I know that's tough. And you're right. People see um, uh, manifestations of injuries, right? And they think, ow, that person is really hurt. And I feel sorry for them. The internal stuff is just as bad, just as traumatic, just as, you know, as damaging, but you don't see it. You see somebody walking down the street, they look good. You know, you look nice, you're dressed nice, everything like that. You think, oh, they don't have a care in the world. 
you have no clue what's going on inside. Spot on. And and just, just you, you made a comment just before about that must have been hard. And I just want to make a, dis- a distinction to give people some hope out there with regards to the giving up the alcohol and the other stuff. The, the process of getting to that point was certainly challenging, but the actual giving up of the alcohol and the drugs and the gambling and stuff has actually been unbelievably easy. Hmm. And, and the reason being, Harlan, is that I believe that I've been able to remove the reason why I was yeah. escaping or why I wanted to escape. And that's the difference to 12-step programs and, and these other you know drugs to stop hmm. people taking um, alcohol or whatever. There are some options out there that can free you of the tyranny of addiction. And I just, just not many people know about it. So I just wanted to make that available to people that might need it. Awesome. Yeah, you're right. Because if you remove the, the reason why, right, you have no reason to go back to it. You can take somebody in the exact same situation, move them someplace else. But if you don't cure that thing, they're just going to pick it right back up again, right? Bingo. Absolutely bingo. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is awesome. Um, and so now you use that, right? You're a, a keynote speaker. You've done speaking engagements all over. You're coaching people to help them through things. Talk to me about that. How did you, uh, where did you find the courage? to overcome all of this and then uh, step out and create your success? Well, the simple fact, Harlan, was that the pain of remaining in the, the situation that I was, was far worse than the thought of getting help and, and asking for help so that I could remain strong, not so that I appeared weak. And, and I kept asking for help until I got it. And when you go through an experience like that, you, you have an obligation to help other people with it. I, I've received so much wonderful guidance, advice, help, financial, whatever. And, and now it's an opportunity for me to pay that forward. And so I think that is a natural progression when you come through. And I'm still deeply flawed in many areas of my life. That's not negative self-talk, by the way. That's, that's an admittance of the reality because perfection is a myth. But I now know that I can help people that are that want help. I don't really work with people that don't. They're comfortable doing their thing. But people that really want help, I'll give it to them. And that's what I do with my coaching and, and the, the, uh, the development that I mentioned to you just before we started recording was mm-hmm. I've now taken on the mantra of the world's best courage coach. Nice. And, and the, the, the simple fact, I mean, that was inspired by a gentleman by the name of Steve Hardison, uh, who uh, there's a link to a YouTube video that I, if you could link in the show notes, is a wonderful, wonderful, amazing thing. And it inspired me. And it's not an ego thing at all. It's a commitment that I've now made to myself because why be second? Why be third? And we can have a whole team of the world's best courage coaches. It's a rising tide lifts all boats, you know? And so the question I now ask myself is how would the world's best courage coach approach the situation? You know, the, the reason that my fiance needed to leave Australia and go to Russia is her story to share. But let's just say it was under some extenuating circumstances and the Australian government rejected her application. And if you knew the reason why she was going to Russia and, and why they rejected it, you would be so unbelievably furious. Wow. And 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 I had a decision to make. I was I could either get angry and throw my toys out of the, the cot. Or, or I could get on with trying to 
create a solution to it. So I had to ask myself, how did the world's best courage coach handle the situation? And so we ended up, we just kept pursuing and we got the approval and she got on the plane, got out of there. And then my application was rejected two times prior to the third time getting, you know, I got a letter from my publisher and a lawyer and all kinds of stuff to simply leave the country. And, you know, you still feel frustration. You still feel the anger. You still feel that, but it's, it's how you decide to let it affect you is, is what I talk to, to people that I'm coaching and working with. And I really want to exemplify the world's best courage coach. And so I only ever talk to people about what I've done. And if I haven't done it, it's very clear that I haven't. And I try to lead by example. And by doing that, it keeps me accountable to myself. And, and I hope what will be long-term a, a really wonderful outcome for everyone that comes into my, my ether. Very cool. Yeah, it's not what happens to us. It's how we deal with what happens to us, right? What we do with it. So, But asking for help, that takes a lot of courage. A lot of people, they, they do see themselves as being weak, right? If, if I'm having to ask for help, it means I'm weak. No, a lot of times that means you're strong. You've come to that point where I know I can't lift this by myself. Amen. And, and I mean, we, as you know, after World War II, you know, all the soldiers that fought and some of the women that were exposed to some of the, the horrors of World War II were told to keep a stiff upper lip and to not talk about it. And it was probably one of the worst things ever. And we had this, you know, wonderful boom in the economy, but there was so much dysfunction. And my mum and dad grew up as children of those, those that went through World War II. And both, both of the families were completely dysfunctional. And so then they pass that on to the next generation. So it's really important that we break that cycle of tyranny and, and dysfunction into generational trauma and start, start from afresh. And that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I am doing. That's awesome. So some of the people you, you coach, are they um, entrepreneurs? Are they business leaders? Who do you, who do you coach? Yeah. When you go around calling yourself the world's best courage coach, uh, the, the number <laughs> does shrink because it only sort of resonates with a certain percentage of the population. So, I mean, to give you an idea, I did a presentation to the CEO of, a, a, you know, one of Australia's largest real estate companies the other day and had him jumping out of his chair on a Zoom call, yelling out loud, oh, you know, I'm the world, I'm Australia's best real estate CEO at the top of his lungs. So, so that, you know, they, you know, equally, I've got a 15-year-old vegetarian Indian boy who's a cricket player who I'm working with. No, no discussion around diet. He's, he's vegetarian for his religious reasons. Um, as you know, we can explain about what the carnivore diet is, whatever. So there's some polarization there, but it's all about mindset. And, and we're working with, uh, with each other to get him to, to play the, the pinnacle of, of, uh, of the sport, to play and represent his country. So they are very diverse. They are very diverse. And I, I have no prerequisites about who I work with, apart from the fact that they must be ready to, to take massive action and to put themselves out of their comfort zone. Nice. Yeah. Cause you can, you can talk to people all day, but they haven't made that decision that they're going to change. They want to change. They're willing to do what's necessary. It's not worth anything. Right. And, and just on that comment regarding, you know, people that are afraid to ask for help or too, too humble or whatever. How's that working out for you? Yeah. You know, how's that working out for you? What's your life going to look like in 12, 18 months if you keep doing what you're doing, keep suffering in silence? Absolutely. And I talk about this in the book. 
about the burden of knowledge and sharing that with people. And, and the more you share it, the lighter it gets. Yeah. Well, and you talk about vulnerability too. You have to be willing to be vulnerable. You have to be, have that courage to be vulnerable, to open up. Wow. And, and vulnerability gets thrown, thrown around a lot. And, and you see a, a bit of pretend vulnerability here and there. And I mean, I'm not here to pick holes and how people present vulnerability, but true vulnerability owning all of your demons allows people to connect with you and, and you give them permission to feel okay about the life that they've led. And I share my, my experiences unabashed. And, and so does my fiance as well with what she's gone through. And when you do that, people connect with you really quickly and they trust you and they like you. And then, then they share. And, you, and, and I build very quick bonds with people. It's a superpower of mine, being able to connect with people. And some people share with me information that they've never told anyone in their entire family within mere minutes of meeting me. Yeah. And it's never a bad thing. It's never a bad thing. They're like, oh, I can't tell you how relieved I am to share that with someone, you know? Yeah, they've been dying to find somebody they can share it with, right? That's awesome. Well, let me ask you a question, Harlan. What's oh. something that you revealed to the world at any point in your life that you kept, you know, for a long time, because you were fearful of the outcome that then mm. resulted, put you on the spot here. Yeah, no, no, no. Bankruptcy. I, that was, that was huge for me. I had a bankruptcy and uh, it was at a, a real low point, you know, in my life, I was at the grocery store with my daughter trying to buy some food because she was out to visit with me and I couldn't afford to, to pay. All of my credit cards were being rejected and stuff. And I had to put the you know, stuff back in the cart and walk out of the store empty handed. That's tough. That's hard. That's brutal. Bankruptcy to a man is is one of those. It's like the Achilles heel of the yeah. the vulnerability spectrum, isn't it? Yeah. And well, thank you for sharing. That's a huge yeah. one. And I can edit this out, right? <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I've told people about that, but it's hard. It's like I said. It's not something you want to you want to admit to people, you know, because they do or you think they're going to look at you kind of weird. But honestly, they don't. It's like wow you've been through some stuff and yet you're here. Maybe I can do that same thing. Maybe I can, you know, get past what I'm doing. So. Well, look at what you're doing with your life, Harlan, the work that you are doing, the coaching and the writing and the, the speaking, you know, like you've been doing this for a while now and, and you're doing amazing things and you, you wouldn't be able to do that if it wasn't for the fact that you weren't, you know what, I've got some life experience and cause you've, you've, you've got credibility now and you haven't died. And you, you haven't exploded into flames and you went bankrupt. Like, you know what I mean? I, I was a fat alcoholic drug user who used pornography as escapism. Like, not that hard, is it? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the so we talk about courage, right? Um, that empathetic courage, having the courage to set aside your emotions and, and your feelings so you can open up to somebody else and hear them and see them at their level and stuff. You know, that's, that's what you're talking about. And that's not easy for people in a leadership position. And as if you're the boss and you come up to an employee who's struggling, you have to be able to set aside because a lot of people say, oh, just get over it, right? Pick yourself up and keep going, right? You have to be able to set that aside and say, how can I help you right now? What can I do to, to help you in the position you're in? And that's not always easy for people. Yeah, well, I think something that, that helped, helped me tremendously, Harlan, was this go-giver mentality and there's a book called that go-giver by bob berg and john david mann both former guests both incredible human beings and there's a number of other books that have come out 
um, based on that series. But the go-giver mentality is this abundance mindset where you can actually have the life of your dreams through service. And, and it's not giving from a charitable point of view where you end up with no money. And so I go into every single interaction in my life within reason, thinking what value can I add this person's life? What value? You know, it might be the girl running the, the grocery checkout. It might be the IT guy based in Bangalore that you're trying to get your computer fixed. You know, the, 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 the plumber, whoever, people walking their dog at the park. What value can I add this person's life? When you go around doing that, you create this wonderful energy and, and you, you learn how to tell stories. It's a really important part of sharing your message as well. And you, the more you do it, the less you care about what you've gotten up to. And when you, when you exude confidence and courage, other people respond that. Mm-hmm. You're a pilot, Harlan. You imagine saying, uh, ladies and gentlemen, your captain speaking, uh, the wing is about to fall off and uh, we're not sure if we're going to make it. Like, what's that going to do to the 300 passengers on the plane? <laughs> oh, my God, Father. Yeah. So it's that confidence <laughs> that gives other people permission to be, you know, feel feel uh, safe, an overused word at yeah. the moment, but feel secure. Yeah. Well, it creates that safety zone. If you're vulnerable with me, I can be vulnerable with you, right? If you're honest with me, I can feel, I can be honest with you. And that's, Bingo. that's huge. Tell me about your podcast, Become Your Own Superhero. Become Your Own Superhero was forged out of the ashes of COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the single greatest thing that's ever happened to me being forced into finding a way to get my voice out there because in April, 2020, I had my very first paid speaking engagements lined up. I was going to be earning $400 a day and then pow, everything shut down. And I was based in Melbourne, Australia, which has endured the longest lockdowns of any place anywhere in the world. And so I created the podcast. I'd met some amazing speakers at the, probably the last conference that was, that took place in Australia and in Adelaide and invited a number of guests on and from april last year to you know november 2021 it's about 108 episodes i've recorded and and off the back of that i've acquired unbelievable levels of knowledge because out of respect for my my guests i often read their books a lot of them are best-selling authors and lots of motivational speakers and cricket coaches and cricket players and you know movie stars and then veritable nobodies and and i learn i get one-on-one coaching with these amazing human beings and uh that's where the the book was inspired by an interview i did with les brown the motivational speaker les and uh who wrote the forward for my book and uh changed my life in the process nice yeah the uh, the conversations i've had on this podcast have been amazing you know i love learning number one I'm, i'm a lifelong learner to hear these stories and the things that people have gone through it's like my life has not been that bad you know, and you just pick up little tidbits that just, uh, I mean, I've, I've shared them all over the place. It's been, it's been awesome. Um, and your book, your book is uh, almost ready for publication, right? Depending on when this is, Harlan, we are expecting the, uh, when you, when you load a book up on Amazon, uh, the publishers organize this, they actually send you a final hard copy for you to give it a once over and then yeah. the tick of approval. So uh, that's being sent to a random man's address in, in Mexico here. <laughs> a guy I met at the beach the other day. Yeah. So he's very trusting receiving a package from uh, a strange person um, <laughs> at the moment. And 
So we will organize a big release date, but it'll be available on every single Amazon site around the world. And that includes a number of non-English speaking ones, Amazon India and Germany, a number of other. It will still be in, in English. The plan will be to get it translated later on. It's a self-help book and it's and it's it's brilliant and it's it's brilliant because not just because i say so but and i I do think it's brilliant i'm very very proud of it as a very as a first book but it's going to help a lot of people and i mentioned being unabashed i've owned all of my demons and the stories that i share are true they're true stories of my hedonistic life and and i hope that when people read it not only will they be massively entertained and moved but they'll they'll find ways of drawing opportunity to improve their own lives if that's what they want to do worst case scenario you'll be very entertained (laughs) hey that's good though that's good so the title of the book bet on you harlan bet Bet on you 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 are a an unrepeatable miracle bet on you excellent good job so uh, when it comes to courage is there a type of courage you think is uh, most important for for people in general, leaders? Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? It's it's like how do you define exactly what it is that you need? I, I think a good way to look at it, and I was on a podcast the other day and, and was asked a similar question, and I think this this helped me understand it better. If you were to remove courage out of your being, however you could do that and extract it out of a needle or whatever, you wouldn't be able to do literally anything, would you? You wouldn't mm-hmm. breathe. You couldn't move, nothing. And so I think in answer to your question, the courage that you want to you wanna have access to is anything that's going to help you propel forward. And I think the big thing with courage that I love is that my life, Harlan, has become a daily miracle, a daily miracle. The abundance, the crazy, I mean, look at where I am. I'm in the middle of Mexico during a global pandemic, you know, like, and, and, and that's simply because the, the parameters of how high I want to take this, this courage are way greater than the, than the norm. And so for people, uh, Laban, what sort of courage do I show? Well, the, the, the most courage that you can possibly muster. And then as you, get that positive feedback loop from the success that you'll start to attain, you know, your natural confidence will start to, to rise. And then all of a sudden you'll be transversing around the world, doing a speaking tour with a best-selling book with a forward from Les Brown. Nice. <laughs> I could, I could deal with that. That'd be all right. But one thing I appreciate you said was courage is an action, right? It's, I mean, you could sit on, on your couch in the comfort of your own home and think, grandiose things, but if you don't actually take action, it's not really courage. You know, it's, it's putting yourself out there, whether it's the intellectual courage, you know, learning something new, which I love learning stuff new, the empathetic courage, uh, moral courage, uh, social courage, you know, all those things. It's important, but you have to take that action. Yeah. You're spot on. And uh, one of your other um, podcast guests that you interviewed uh, earlier this year was talking about courage from like firefighters and EMTs and the, and the current police officers and the, the courage that they display. And I, and I, I agreed with him. I forget the guy's name, but I agree with him entirely about running into a burning building is different to the work that I do. I mean, I haven't been put in that position to run into a burning building and, and, and would I do it? Well, now that I'm the world's best courage coach, I suppose I have to, right? 
but but it's about about finding like my one of my talents and my gifts is communicating i'm a son of a retired radio announcer and i've worked really hard on being an effective communicator so for me courage to get it and cold call a ceo and tell him that it's laban from melbourne australia and today's his lucky day and he says why and i say because i'm the world's best courage coach and i teach your staff to take massive bold and courageous action like the phone call i just made to call you now and then book work off the back of that. Like this is the stuff that I've been doing, right? And uh, and so that's different for me, but whatever your thing is, and there's a great quote from Keith Abraham, an Australian author and motivational speaker. He says, when the why becomes clear, the how becomes easy. And you don't need to have gone through everything to, to get into this kind of field that we're in. You just need to be one lesson ahead of the person that we're working with, you know? Absolutely. And I think that's why firemen can run into burning buildings, right? They have that why very specifically. They've grown up wanting to be that person, right? So that's easy for them to run into a building. Me, it wouldn't be that easy to run into a burning building. That's not something that that I've, you know, laid out for myself. Um, so how do you how do you define that why then? You know, if if you're working with somebody and they say, Well, I don't have a why, how do you help them define that why? This is one of the best questions I've been asked for a long time, Alan, because there's three questions that you can ask yourself. And if you can work out what these are, you'll be well on your way to finding out what your purpose is. And the first one is, what are you world-class at that other people find challenging? Or what are you really good at that, that other people find challenging? It might be giving foot rubs, maths, whistling, embroidery, like it could be anything, right? Mm-hmm. And the second question is, what do people come and ask you for advice for? And then the third thing is, what sets your soul on fire? Mm. And if you're listening to these questions right now and you're like, oh, dang, i got nothing, then you need to start figuring out and working towards something that you can add a little bit of value because the danger is that maybe you're not, you're not putting yourself out of your comfort zone enough and you're not doing anything because if no one's asking your advice, or you you got no passion, you're going to end up old and miserable. That's and not regretful. a threat. It's just yep. a reality, right? Yeah, and regretful. Absolutely. 100%. There's a reason. There's a reason why you are on the planet. Whether you're religious or spiritual or whatever your belief system are, there's a reason. And until you start fulfilling that purpose, you're going to go around like I did for 35 years of my life wondering, why, why is my life not fulfilled? Why can't I do recruitment? Why can't I do this? Why haven't I met the person in my dreams? And, and a lot of people die with it inside them. Mm-hmm. But when you hear these kind, of, these kind of conversations and you can start thinking about it and, and move towards it, make a real concerted effort to figure out what it is. Because when you do it, as you know, Helen, it doesn't feel like work anymore. And right. people will pay you ridiculous amounts of money. And then you can choose to help who you want to help and have an impact. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, where did you find the courage? You had all these addictions. You had the food, the booze, gambling, drugs, sex. You had all these things. A lot of people, that becomes their, their comfort zone. It's what they know. It's where they stay curled up in, right? How did you, where did that courage come from to, to break out of that and say, I can do this? 
uh, you know, I remember a couple of physical experiences um, where I was like <sighs> building up the, the intestinal fortitude to just like go into a, into a counseling session or, you know, ring the gambler's helpline or whatever. But I think it was made easy by the fact that uh, in a moment of clarity, and I don't know how, where it came from, but I knew, as I mentioned earlier, that I was destined for much greater things, much, much greater things than what I was achieving. And, uh, and, and that, was, that was just a driving force for me. It was, it was out of my hands. And I didn't care what the consequences of admitting that I had a problem was. And, and, you know, it's interesting as a result, like 97% of my former circle of friends no longer have much to do with me or me with them. It's not that they are bad people at all, but we are very, very different, misaligned in many ways. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that, that's just the price that you pay. And, and it's a wonderful price, even family members that I've had to keep it at an arm's length. And when you, when you start and move towards your purpose, people start coming back into your life. And I now have the closest relationship with my mum and my father that I've ever had. Nice. You know, for years, mum and I were estranged. And isn't that wonderful? You know, like not everyone's back in my life, but the relationships that I have are meaningful and real and authentic. And my mum said to me yesterday, we're on a, on a FaceTime call, she's in New Zealand. She said, I'm so, I'm so proud of you, son, with the work you're doing. Really humbling moment. It took a long time for my mum to get to that point where she was able to admit that, you know. So uh, it's worth it, I promise. Very cool. Well, and I hope if people are listening and, and they're going through something like this, they can, they can find that courage to reach out and ask for help. Because that is really the beginning of strength. You know, I know I can't do this myself. I need somebody. That's awesome. All right, Laban, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they find you? First of all, where can they find your, your podcast? If you send me a self, uh, self-addressed envelope to PO box <laughs> <laughs> and a, a check and I'll fill it out myself, just sign it and send it blank. So the name Laban Ditchburn is a very unique one. In fact, there's only one Laban Ditchburn on the planet and you're talking to him and Laban's L-A-B-A-N Ditchburn, D-I-T-C-H-B-U-R-N.com. Uh, if you do a, a Boolean search, it'll come up about a million times. Access to the podcast is all through there for the for the book release. Everything's available. Um, we're available on all the uh, social media platforms as well, whatever your favorite one is. I think there's even a TikTok account that might have been set up as well. <laughs> and uh, for all you all you millennials, but um, I, I love I love what I do, Harlan, and I love working and engaging with people that that also want to want help and, and want to improve their own lives and the lives of the people around them. And and you know if you're sitting at home knowing that your life is destined for much greater than what you're currently achieving, ask for help, make that plunge. I promise you, I promise you the pain of, of asking for help is, is way less than what you think way, way less than what you think. And the impact that you can have on the planet is just so wonderful. So yeah. Yeah, Ask you for help. It may be painful for a second, you know, but, uh, the disappointment of, of not following your dreams, not, not achieving the things you want, that lasts a long time. Way long worse. Time. Way worse. All right. So the book is called Bet on You, and that'll be out pretty soon. Very soon, yeah. Is Become Your Own Superhero. And uh, Levin, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. 
for being a guest. I really appreciate it. And we will check in with you and follow you and see where you are next in the world. <laughs> Hopefully you'll get to go home soon. Um, but yeah, this has been great. Well, thank you, Harlan. And for, and for the work that you're doing for people that are listening, that might be listening for the first time, that haven't subscribed to the I, I, I Before E podcast, you need to get on there and uh, check out some of the other guests. Is you know, look at what Harlan's doing. He's got some credibility. He's a pilot. He's a management consultant with a, a deep, rich, dark history, Darkest. and uh, <laughs> in a good way. And uh, the work you're doing is really important, Harlan. So thank you very much for the opportunity, and it's a real um, bendito to be on the podcast. <laughs> thank you very much. And I said I was going to ask you about cricket, but honestly, I don't think there's enough time in the world <laughs> to explain cricket. Let's just say it's not the insect. It's not the insect. No, but I, I've tried to watch cricket. Like I said, I just, I don't, I don't get it. It's like baseball, but without the protection and way more dangerous <laughs> and played by about a billion people. Yeah. Because all of India is involved. So absolutely. Very yeah. entertaining sport. It's huge. It's a lot bigger than most people think. Yeah. Very, yeah. Very good. All right, Levin, thank you so much again for being on the podcast. Listeners, hope you guys were taking notes. There's some great takeaways here. If any of you are struggling with any kind of addiction, um, make sure you reach out to somebody. It's not, uh, it's not failure on your part. It's not uh, fear on your part. It's not you know, anything to be ashamed of. You're asking for help and it's, it's a sign of strength. So definitely reach out and ask. Um, if you like this podcast episode, make sure you share it with your family, friends, and colleagues and stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now. 